MacGyver's the guy who's famous for using whatever resources he has at his disposal to do just, you know, unbelievable things, to get himself out of a jam, whatever. Um, he took risks. He, uh, he used his knowledge and his skills. He always got the bad guys in the end. And, and as long as there was duct tape and bailing wire, I mean, he could get out of just about anything, right? He was going to get it done. Well, today we, we uh, step into this, uh, we continue this series uh, on the parables of Jesus, these stories that Jesus used to explain spiritual truths to help us know how life with God is supposed to be lived out. And today, I, I want to tackle one of the more popular parables, or one that, that mo- a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of people know. It's traditionally been called the parable of the talents. Uh, a little bit like MacGyver, I think, this parable has a lot to do with recognizing and using the resources that we've been given in order to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. And in what we're about to read here in Matthew 25, I want us to, to look at the context here. So this is a story that Jesus tells as part of a, uh, a teaching that he's, uh, he's doing here in, in Matthew 24 and 25. He's, he's, he's literally in the final days of his earthly life. It's two days before the crucifixion. So that's where we're at in Jesus' uh, uh, story of his life. And uh, this, this parable is in the middle of, of an answer to his disciples' question about what will, be, what will it be like at, quote, the coming of the end of the age. So that's at the beginning of, of chapter 24 where his disciples ask him, what's, what's it going to be like at the end of time? And so if, if, you're, if you've opened this up on your own uh, device or you, your, your Bible, uh, maybe you'll notice that uh, Matthew chapters 24 and 25 are almost entirely in red ink meaning that, uh, that Jesus is, uh, is, is speaking. These are the words of Jesus himself uh, explaining, uh, answering that question of what the, what the end of time will be like. If you read through chapter 24, you'll see that he describes some things that sound pretty grim, some, some things that are, seem kind of devastating, and he explains that, that no one will really know when it will happen, but we uh, see some signs that we can look for, and uh, ultimately we all need to be ready because at some point it's, it's going to happen. And then in describing the, the time between his death, which was imminent, just a couple of days away, and when he would return, which he hasn't done yet, so in other words, in describing where we're living right now between Jesus' death and resurrection and when he returns again. This time right now, he's describing this, and part of his answer in describing this time where we live right now, he tells this parable about a master, three servants, and some bags of gold. And so let's uh, look at it in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. Again... It will be like a man going on a journey. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's already told one story, um, and uh, he's, he's diving into this. It, meaning the kingdom of God, how things are going to play out. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more, five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. This is where, if we were watching this, the music would change, right? Dun, dun, get a little, you know, minor key. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out. And hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and ganashing of teeth. That's how you say that word, ganashing. I don't know if you knew that or not. Okay, let's, let's start unpacking this. So the, the term bag of gold there uh, in, the, in the latest uh, New International Version that I just read, uh, it literally means talents uh, so in the Greek. So it uh, indicates a, a measure of weight uh, or weight of money, um, and, and, and it was a lot. Uh, common estimates are that one talent uh, was equal to approximately 20 years of wages for a common day laborer of that time. So... Uh, very conservative figures, if we're going to bring that into today's money, if we're just to, so that we know, because bag of gold doesn't really tell us a whole lot, um, I think we could probably estimate it probably at least on the, on the low end around $300,000. So one talent around $300,000. So these three servants are called in and each is given a large sum of money to take care of, to manage, uh, ranging anywhere from 300000 to 600000 to one and a half million dollars. So this is not chump change for any of them, right? But, but each is, is given an amount based on his ability. And I think this is a, the, the, uh, a, a good takeaway for us here today, and that is that our responsibilities are determined by our abilities, this isn't rocket science. I think this makes sense, but maybe we already know that. But I mean, if in school or, or on the job or maybe in parenting, uh, we give responsibilities to people that we think have the ability to handle them. Do they have the ability to respond appropriately? Response abilities. Uh, so assignments in a second grade classroom are going to look different than assignments in high school algebra because they have more ability. You don't expect your two-year-old to do their, do their laundry or clean their room, do you? You Probably not. Uh, hopefully not. But you probably expect that from your 12-year-old, do you? Yes, you probably should, okay? So, uh, and, and people are, are hired in, in positions based on their resume and their abilities and their experiences, and those things qualify them for the job. Responsibility is determined by ability, 
And so we bring this into the spiritual realm. We have to realize that that we're all different, right? Uh, We each have different gifts and talents and abilities. And, uh, I mean, you guys have more uh, gifts and talents and abilities than I could ever dream of. And, And each of us is different. There's great diversity in the kingdom of God. We've been created uniquely by God, and each of us given a certain set of abilities. And not everyone is great at everything, right? Some people are great at business. Uh, some people can sing. Some people are, are more uh, technology-motivated uh, or, or uh, uh, adept, while others are more maybe artsy, or, or uh, still others are more organized, or, or you're outgoing or, or introverted. I mean, we're all different. I heard the story uh, recently about Antonio. It seems that Antonio's voice was high and squeaky, so he did not make the tryouts for the Cremona Boys Choir. When he took violin lessons, the neighbors persuaded his parents to make him stop. Yet Antonio still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent seemed to be whittling. When Antonio grew older, he served as an apprentice to a violin maker. And his knack for whittling grew into a skill uh, of carving and his hobby became his craft and he worked patiently and faithfully and throughout his life he continued to work and by the time he died he left over 1,500 violins, each one bearing a label that read Antonio Stradivarius. They're the most sought after violins in the world and sell for six figures and on up. Antonio couldn't sing couldn't play very well but his responsibility was to use his ability and his violins are still making beautiful music today maybe uh maybe i've said this before um i i don't necessarily go with uh or or support using the phrase telling our kids uh you can be anything you want to be you can't sorry to sorry to break it to you uh you can't just dream up something and expect to be good at it. If the, early session, if the early seasons of American Idol taught us nothing, they taught us that, right? You can't just dream it up and say, I'm going to do this because I want to. You can't be anything that you want to be. But you are expected to use your unique blend of gifts, talents, abilities, and resources to be the best you you can possibly be. So, so I, I guess uh, included in this is don't envy someone else's talents, someone else's bag of gold, right? Uh, these, these three servants all had differing abilities, but their master knew them intimately and gave them what they had the potential to handle well. You have what you have because God knows that you can manage it. He only expects you to manage within the boundaries of the ability that he has given you. Uh, He doesn't hand you a go-kart and say fly to the moon, right? But he expects you to use what he's given you. I I think if the five-talent person in the parable had only invested three talents, I mean, he would have been doing more than either of the other guys, but that wouldn't have been good enough because he was expected to use it all to do his best to be completely faithful with, with the ability that God had given him. Well, there's, there's a phrase here that the wealthy man uses uh, in this story when he refers to the good job of the, of the two servants. And you've probably heard this phrase before. Church people tend to quote it a lot. Uh, whether you've heard this story before, you may have heard this phrase before. Maybe you've heard someone say that when they get to heaven, uh, when, they, when they come to the pearly gates, when they uh, uh, live their life and, and, uh, and, and go to heaven, they want God to say to them, 
well done, good and faithful servant, right? It comes from this story right here. We want God to tell us, well done, good and faithful. I mean, I, I want that, right? That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a big goal for us. If we're following God, we want him to be pleased with who we are and how we've lived. We've been, we, we've, uh, want, we want to live a good and faithful life. So yeah, if we want to hear God tell us to be, uh, that, that we have been good and faithful servants, then that means we need to live lives that are good and faithful. Aren't you glad you got out of bed today to hear that truth, right? I think you may have already figured that out. Two servants in this parable received that welcome when the master returned, right? One of them didn't. I, I think we would do well to uh, spend a little bit of time looking to see what characterized those first two servants. Because if we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, we can look to the guys that have already heard that and say, man, I could probably be like that. And if I am, if I'm, if I'm uh, living like them, then maybe, maybe I will hear that from God as well. If we want to hear those words from God, there are a few things that I think this parable tells us. Uh, need to be true in our lives. The first thing is that we have to know the master. Now, actually, all three of these servants seem to know their master pretty well, and and uh, and and actually, that would have been rather rare, I would think, in in the uh, the, the that day and time, uh, for a master to enter into a long term, high stakes business partnership with three of his servants. Uh, there had to have been a level of of trust and a close relationship there. Uh, they they had to have established this this connection. Uh, these servants all demonstrated that they knew the master's character. Only the third one says it, but we can see by their actions. In, in, uh, in this story that the other two knew it. They knew that this guy was a good businessman. He demanded hard work. He demanded excellence. They, they, they knew the master. They knew who he was and what he was like. So the first two servants came to the master and they're excited when, uh, when, when he returned. There was a level of respect and admiration and trust and affection. And because they knew their master well, they knew how to please him. And if you and I are going to be welcomed with open arms by God in eternity... The first step is to know the master intimately, to, to, to get to know his heart, to, to deeply uh, desire to please him with our lives. We have to know the master. It's, it's that relationship that, that, that is at the heart of, of Christianity. It, it must be the deep desire of our hearts to know the heart of God. The, the things that bring God joy should bring us joy. The things that break God's heart should break our hearts as well. And, and that takes intentionality. It's not just going to happen. Uh, it's, if, it's, uh, if it's your priority to hear well done, good and faithful servant at the end of your life, you'll need to spend much time throughout your life invest in your relationship with God. And that means that you'll spend some time uh, developing habits and routines and disciplines that will draw you closer to God to get to, get to know him. Uh, you know that uh, we just got back a little over a week ago from, uh, from the hills of Kentucky on our mission trip, and I was introduced to a, to a song that, uh, that I want to play a clip for, for you. Um, it might not be your genre. It's not my genre, although I, I do love a good, uh, good banjo. But um, uh, this, uh, this is a Hank Williams Sr. song. Uh, it's, uh, I think it would be considered bluegrass. And uh, it's called Dust on the Bible. Let's listen to a, a little bit of this. 
went into a home one day to see some friends of mine. Of all their books and magazines, not a Bible could I find. I asked them for the Bible when they brought it. What a shame! All the dust was covered or it, not a fingerprint was plain. Dust on the Bible, dust on the Holy Word, the words of all the prophets and the sins of our Lord. Of all the other books you'll find that none salvation holds, get the dust off the Bible and redeem your Obviously, that sounds a little old-fashioned. Not only uh, uh, the, uh, the the way that they sing and all, all of that, but but uh, maybe that sounds... Oh, dust on the Bible. You know, well, I got it on my app here. I'm not going to get dust on the... No, you, you know what it says. Spiritual habits and, and practices are going to be a regular part of the life of good and faithful servants. If you're not spending time uh, with, with these spiritual disciplines and habits, then uh, you're not going to get to know the master. And therefore, when you come to the end of life, you won't hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We have to get our dust off of our Bibles. Get the, get the dust off our worship. Get the dust off of our prayer life. Get the dust off of our service. What habits? And there's, a, there's a long list. What are the things? What are the habits that you have in your life that are helping you get to know the master? If that's a short uh, list, if that's a, a list that's blank, then that's your takeaway today. What am I doing to help me get to know the master more? Get the dust off your Bible. Well, what else did these guys, uh, these guys do? Not only did they know the master, they were also faithful with what the master gave them. We've got to be faithful with what's, what the master gives. Uh, the, in, the, in the story there, the master gives bags of gold, right? So maybe, maybe you're saying, well, that'd be nice. God, if you give me a bag of gold, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll be faithful, sure. But that's, that's not quite the point, right? God has given us so so much. Certainly, we have money and possessions, and I could turn this sermon really quickly into a give a bunch of money to the church sermon. I mean, I just hit you up for 10 grand for the parking lot, right? We could, we could just turn that, well, this was planned long before we knew we were going to do that uh, today, just so you know if you're thinking I have ulterior motives. But this parable is, is about a lot more than money. Everything we have is a gift from God. Uh, it's precious, and it has to be managed well. Not only material possession. What about your time? What about your health? What about your, your intellect, your, your mind? What about your relationship? We've all been given bags of gold. What are you doing with them? Your life is full of opportunities to be leveraged for the master. And many, many people out of laziness or ignorance are wasting their bags of gold. I, I don't want to be the third one-talent servant. He didn't get the, the, the well done at the end. And in fact, uh, the reception that he received from the master is, you are wicked, you are lazy, and you are worthless. Don't think I want that at the end. Uh, and usually, I don't know, you think of laziness, you go, yeah, I don't want to be lazy, but, but do you think of it as a wicked thing? I'm, I'm not sure that, that we think of it as sinful, 
I, you know, I just sleep a lot, or I just, you know, whatever. I mean, I was raised to have a good work ethic and, and to work hard and not give up and, and don't quit, but push through and, and uh, uh, you know, give it all you've got, you know, all those things. And, and, you know, those are good things and things that I attain, but is it really wicked and evil to be lazy? I mean, the master says as much right here, and it, it's actually found in other places in the Bible too, the book of Proverbs. <laughs> One of my favorite words in the Bible is the word sluggard. Just because it's fun to say and it paints a picture and uh, all of that. Uh, But it it talks about a lazy person over and over again in the book of Proverbs as as a sluggard. Someone who just doesn't do a whole lot and they don't hardly lift their finger to do much of anything. And and it's not just, hey, you need to work hard. But but the the book of Proverbs over and over again lifts up a a sluggard on the one side uh, and, and a righteous person on the other side. The, the, the sluggard is, is not just, oh, you should probably do better, but this is, this is uh, sinful and something that needs to not be a part of our lives. Uh, in, the, in this story, in, the, in, in Jesus' story here, it's the third wicked lazy servant was thrown outside where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I really know it's gnashing, I'm just kidding. But that's a term in scripture that's used uh, several different times to talk about uh, uh, torment in hell, right? Uh, it, this, is a, this is a spiritual, laziness is a spiritual issue. If you want to be a good and faithful servant, not only will you get to know the master, but you'll be diligent to use the gifts the master has given you to accomplish his plans in the world. Zig Ziglar once said, you are the only person on earth who can use your ability. We've been given bags of gold and we are responsible to use them for God's glory. God has created us uniquely with exactly what he needs us to use to accomplish his plans. You have gifts and talents and abilities. You have passions and emotions. You have things that tug at your heart. You you can't get past it. God has, has laid those things on your heart. You have had things happen in your life, unique circumstances, and, and God can leverage those things to, for you to pour into the lives of others. He, he wants to, to you to use those bags of gold to invest in the kingdom of God in order to accomplish amazing things in this world for him. These, these servants were given outrageously extravagant gifts from their master, but, but it wasn't just a gift. Oh, great, thanks. I'll take this and use it however I want. It was, it, I'm just going to use this selfishly or, or hoard it, right? Which is what the third guy did. But, but in using these things, we're using them uh, in order to invest them so that they grow and, and develop and, and expand and become so much more. We're, we're, we're faithful and good. The way that we do that, we get to know the master. We also put to use the gifts that the master gives. And in doing that, we've got to dream the master's dreams. If we know the master and we're going to use his gifts, well, how would would the master use these gifts? Well, I'm going to dream dreams that he would dream. We're, We're not living to fulfill our dreams but we're looking to fulfill God's dreams. The gifts of of life and health and money and possessions and success and relationships and time, they're not just given to us for ourselves. They they all still belong to God. This was not uh, these, these servants. It wasn't their money. He didn't give them this money and say, do whatever you want with it. He said, here's this money, take care of it for me. Whole different perspective on life, right? If we see that everything that we have in life is ours to do what we want with it, we're going to live completely different than if we see everything that we have in life as precious from God, gifts from God that he wants us to use for him, to manage for him. 
We just we, we get to steward these things for a while, to do what we can with what we have to further God's dreams in the world. So I, I wonder, instead of asking our kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe we should affirm their giftedness and let God speak into their lives how he's going to use them. Maybe we could you know, say things like, you have great leadership skills. God's, God's probably going to use that in the future in your life. Or you have compassion for, for people. You're always, you're always showing compassion for others. I wonder how God's going to use that uh, in, the, in the coming days. And we, we start guiding them toward what, what God wants to, them to do with their lives, not what I want to be when I grow up. Instead of seeing how we can stretch our dollars in order to afford the next thing that will help us achieve another slice of the American dream, maybe we could ask how God might use what we already have as a means of grace in the lives of people. Instead of indulging in that extra helping at dinner or, or ignoring a workout plan or, or not going to the doctor for a checkup, Maybe we should be taking care of the body that God has given us so that we can make a lasting difference in the world for years to come. If we're sick due to our own negligence, we could be hindering what God wants to do in our lives in the future. And maybe instead of just entertaining our minds on on trivial things of this world, maybe there are ways to to study more and and to dig deeper and and to pursue interests that could lead God to do amazing things in you and through you and and to develop your mind and, and to use that amazing, amazing mind that he's given us. The list goes on and on. I think you get the point. I'm not saying that there's no room for rest and relaxation or, or downtime. One of my favorite quotes, I think it's Dallas Willard, says that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap, right? But not all day, right? We should consistently evaluate if we're being lazy in using all the gifts that we've been given for God's glory. We need to dream the master's dreams in our lives and in this world. What does God want to do in this world what breaks his heart what brings him joy what can you not get away from that he is laying on your heart your gifts and passions just might be able to address some of those issues to bring the presence of God to the people and circumstances in this world that need him most (laughs) what would the master, if, if God was, was here, so that's really what, what's going on here. The master leaves his money and says, take care of this because I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be here to take care of it, so you're going to be taking care of it. Do uh, with it what you think I would do with it. So if the master, if God, if Jesus was living in your shoes, what would the master do with your time, with your mind, with your body? with your opportunities, with, with your money? What would the master do with your life? How would he live his life in your present circumstances? In, in dreaming those dreams, not only are you becoming a good and faithful servant, you are increasing the influence of the kingdom of God in this world, and to that, God says, well done. One thing for sure, if, if we don't use what God has given us, we won't have it very long. Just ask servant number three there, right? But if we are faithful to invest what God has given us for his kingdom, someday we'll receive in proportion to how we've invested. But but not for us, not for our glory, but all for God's glory. 